Oh yeah, we're going to talk about the third line again. It's just a very, very different third line. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins versus Canadians. Tonight, 7.08 p.m. at PPG Paints Arena, the Habs got absolutely destroyed on their own rink. Last night, 8-2 by the Avalanche. Uh, It actually wasn't anywhere near that close. I caught some of it. Uh, The Habs just looked brutal in every conceivable capacity, including in goal. And I don't know that it's going to matter all that much. (laughs) I just don't have a kinder way to phrase that for two reasons. One, we've seen most recently against Columbus how the Penguins handle bottom feeders. They don't perform anywhere near as well. Not sure why. They don't seem to be sure why. Two, the Habs specifically really seem to cause problems for the Penguins. And it might be because of that fast, energetic top six that Montreal has, uh, the Nick Suzuki's and so forth, that the Penguins really don't have a defensive answer for in large part because they continue to employ a couple of players that they don't need to continue employing. Those guys will still be out there again tonight. So... Who knows, right? Who knows? Here's the question that I have for you today. What do you think about the future or the possibility of success for the third line, the new third line of Drew O'Connor, Mikhail Granlund, and Ricard Raquel? The correct answer in the moment is we have no idea. But, you know, we're just having some fun. They've only been together for a couple of games, and they've put together some decent metrics. There's been a couple of goals that they've produced, but I want to see something that looks a lot more like a cohesive unit, and that obviously is just terribly unreasonable to expect, which is part of the reason, by the way, why it's so impressive what Alex Nylander's been able to do just jumping onto the Evgeny Malkin-Jason Zucker line. Granted, Zucker's hotter than fire right now, and Gino has been, I think, just outstanding. I thought he was the Penguins' best player overall over the weekend. So that makes things easier, but it doesn't mean that you fit. And when you see the way Nylander is following the play, chipping the puck to the next guy, Even doing things that usually take the longest, and these are kind of boring, but like getting out of his own zone with possession, doing it safely, doing it smartly, uh, this isn't normal. This is some natural talent that's found a place that maybe, maybe, maybe he'll end up belonging. In the interim, what's ended up happening is that Raquel, who did nothing at all to deserve any kind of demotion, has instead been moved to a third line to maybe be kind of the K in some new HBK line. And I know they're not the same guys. They're not the same players. Certainly, Raquel isn't remotely similar to Phil Kessel. 
But what I'm talking about is finally abandoning this idea that you can get scoring out of, you know, the guys that were there all season. Further abandoning the idea that you're going to be able to cobble together some sort of checking or energy line because you simply don't have those players, not in Pittsburgh and not in Wilkes-Barre, and you didn't really acquire them at the deadline. So what Sullivan's doing, I think transparently here, is attempting to just work with the roster that he has and attempt to come up with a third line that contributes something, comma, anything. <laughs> to the process. But what'll it look like if it is successful? We've seen already this season examples of O'Connor on the forecheck and the kind of offense that he can drive. To me, that's looked like offense that's created through a hard, long slog in the offensive zone because he'll get down there first. He'll find a way to command that puck. And then he'll get it to somebody else and then start moving in front, hoping for some kind of opportunity. Raquel, he plays the game at a higher level than the other two. And he's just coming off an extended stint with two of the better offensive players in the world, Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. So how does he adjust to that? You can say that Raquel's a pretty flexible player and that he can do some different things uh, regardless of the line that he's on because of his ability to just win the puck in so many different settings. I'm telling you, my friends, if, you, if you're if you at a game, there's always different fun things that you can watch that you can't pick up on television. And one of them is just Raquel versus other people in terms of getting the puck on his stick and clear possession, not just like whacking it away from them, but clear, defined, pull away from the other dude's possession. And that's a skill that translates very easily to any line and to any role. So that's all good. Granland, I got I got nothing for you right now. I'm sorry. And that's not even a knock. I just can't get a read on him. I can't get a read on how he fits. I still don't know exactly why he was acquired. Never mind at such an exorbitant price, now and for the next two years. I have always liked him as a player. I'm going to stand by that. I just haven't seen it in relation to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I haven't seen how he fits here at all. I am going to throw in one wrench into all of this. And this is something that I guarantee you would be really, really unpopular over at a certain uptown facility. There's no reason that the player who was bumped down to the third line shouldn't have been Brian Rust. But I have a feeling that Raquel is much less the complaining type, much less the guy who's going to make some kind of stink out of it, or for that matter, to just have the situation cause a stink in the room because he hasn't been around nearly as long, wasn't here for the two cups and whatever else here. Whereas Rust goes down to the third line and it looks and feels and smells like a demotion. And in Raquel's case, it's just like, oh yeah, of course, where Raquel just moves around wherever. So there's a part of me that wonders, too, if this wasn't just a, a move of convenience on Mike Sullivan's part. And if so, that would kind of be lousy. But that, 
that whole angle that I just offered you was nothing other than speculation on my part. I want to make sure that it's categorized as such. The Penguins would benefit immensely if it worked. Okay? I don't know that it will. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Dr. Mick, and as I'm looking at it here, I can promise you this is completely a coincidence uh, as relating to the opening segment that I just offered. He says, DK, could we shed some light on a highly paid yet poorly productive season thus far from Brian Rust? Where is the Jason Zucker-like grit or the fastest man on the ice? Point totals. Let me start this answer by reading off Rust's vitals from the season as a whole. He's appeared in 65 games. He has 15 goals and 22 assists. All of that is well below his career norm across the board, really. He has a 9.0 shooting percentage on 167 total shots. That, that right there is the separator. If Rust was finishing the way he's finished in the past. And he's been a guy that's ranged between 12 and 13 on the shooting percentage over the course of his career. Never been an elite sniper, but certainly a lot better than this. How many times, setting aside all the data, can you just recall visually in your head, Rust getting a golden opportunity, firing it over the net, shooting wide, uh, putting it right into the goaltender's chest? There's been a lot of that. An awful lot of that. He's talked about it. Uh, He's not happy about it. But at the same time, I think respectfully that you might have taken your criticism there a little bit too far. When you're getting into uh, grit and that sort of thing and, you know, getting his fingernails dirty or however it was that you worded it, uh, he's still the same player he's always been. Uh, He's been asked at times this year and is again now uh, back on to be back on a penalty killing unit. Mike Sullivan has described Rust including this season as an elite penalty killer in the National Hockey League. He doesn't like using Rust in that role because he doesn't want to waste Rust whenever he's also being used on power plays and on the top line and everything else here, but since Rust's been off of power play 1 It's been okay to have him out there, and he's been really, really good at it. So I want to draw a line there between my own perception of the points that you made. You're obviously feel to free as you please. Rust just needs to finish. When Rust finishes, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know here, he tends to go on a rampage. He'll look like the hottest scorer, the best scorer in the National Hockey League over like a two- or three-week span, even as long as a month. And then you'll wonder how it is that he's so grossly underpaid, how magnanimous it was of him to take less, to stay in Pittsburgh, and everything else. So when he's down, and I don't think he's really down right now. I don't think he's playing badly. It becomes heightened Because he's in the prominent roles that he is, because we have the expectations of him that we've had, um, he's just not somebody that I very often put on my worry list. You know, 
Uh, he's gotten it done in massive situations in the past. He's not exactly old. He's not exactly not trying hard. So if I had to come up with a list of things to be, uh, you know, all fretting over, he wouldn't make my top, I don't know, 30 or 40, I think, as it relates to this team. I appreciate the question. I appreciate the intention behind the question. I know you're not exactly cutting the guy up or whatever. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.